Hi, you're tuning in to Rusty Thomas, where once a week he brings the brilliance of Scripture to every dynamic of life. For the last 40 years, Rusty has served the Lord as a father, minister, and political figure on the streets, churches, and capitals in our nation and abroad. You are going to hear compelling truths that will prayerfully build up your faith and equip you to meet the challenges of life with the confidence of God's Word. This is Kingdom Moments with my father, Rusty Thomas. Welcome, brothers and sisters, to another episode of Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas, yours truly. It's been a busy day today, thanks be to God. It's always good to be about the Father's business. Uh, just before uh, recording this podcast, I had a Zoom meeting with the brethren over in Northern Ireland. And we kind of did a debrief on my recent visit there, uh, the challenges that they are facing there, and talked a little bit about our return visit in May. So praise be to God, the Lord has established that relationship with the brethren over there. And uh, it's just, yeah, they're in my heart and just really want to serve them and it would be just awesome for God to arise and send that heaven-sent revival where the church arises and abolishes abortion in Northern Ireland and pray it spread like wildfire. So that was good. Uh, I got about a five-minute break between that meeting and now doing this podcast. I'm here with my lovely daughter, Destiny. She's the brains behind this operation. <laughs> Hallelujah. And she's the one that's really pushing me and encouraging me in, in this podcast venture. And really grateful to all my children and how they're challenging me to love and good works. And we get to do this as a family. And that's awesome. Um, also, today, we uh, I put out a post on Facebook. We had uh, two uh, kingdom projects, some breakthroughs. Uh, happen today. Uh, number one, we have another website that we are working on that will highlight our book, Biblical Strategies to Abolish Abortion. We have this dear brother in Wisconsin. He has just done a magnificent job with this website. Uh, there's going to, you know, obviously the book will be available to order on the website. Uh, but there's also course studies. Um, the Lord has blessed me with a lot of the kingdom leaders and pastors of the abolitionist movement. And each has taken a chapter of the book and, and did a video teaching on it. And so that course is going to be made available to the body of Christ. And prayerfully soon, we're going to have a study guide of the book and also an audio version of the book. And we're going to be releasing that website very, very soon. So keep that in prayers. We really want that to be a help and a blessing and the aid to the body of Christ to rise up in Jesus' name, to no longer regulate abortion, but end it in the mighty name of Jesus. And the second thing that happened today is the third and final professor uh, was secured for the Kingdom Leadership Institute Online School. 
Uh, this is a representative that served in Indiana. His name is John Jacob, and he's a good friend of mine. He he read the uh, website uh, Vision and Mission, and he is completely sold. He's on board. So now we have our three uh, professors, uh, Darren Stead, Pastor Darren Stead from Indiana. He's going to be over the ministry aspect of the school to raise up faithful pastors and elders in the body of Christ that will no longer just equip the church to do the work of the ministry, but to fight the battles of the Lord. And so uh, he's uh, over that. And then we have Jason Storms, and he's going to be over the entrepreneur business financial aspects of the school uh, to train up young men uh, to rise up and become future paymasters in the body of Christ to fund the kingdom of God. And now we have John Jacob and we're going to be training young men to be godly statements, statesmen, uh, to be salt and light in the political realm, uh, to learn how uh, to run a successful campaign politically and get elected and then do their duty before God as statesmen in the political realm. So keep that in your prayers. We, we're one step closer right now. We're, we're fundraising uh, just to come up with the needed funds to get this last aspect of the website done because we got to upload all the curriculum, the lectures, you know, the assignments and the, you know, the written requirements and even, yes, physical training. Uh, we're going to have young men that are physically fit, uh, keen of wit and fervent in spirit. So that's the, the vision of the KLI online school. We're one step closer for having this come together and we're hoping to launch by the fall of 2023. Now, if God accelerates the process, possibly spring of 2023, but it's most likely going to be in the fall. So anyway, uh, those things happen today, and we're praising God uh, that he is blessing us step by step uh, for future service to advance his kingdom and his great salvation in the earth. So appreciate your prayers and your support along those lines, brethren. So for today's podcast, we're going to follow up with our first podcast on Thanksgiving. The last time we were together, we went through a little bit of the history of the pilgrims and their journey from Scrooby, England, to Holland, and then, of course, the hazardous journey from Holland to the New World uh, to carve out the kingdom of God upon the American shores. And I uh, pray that was a blessing to you. And uh, we want to continue now, and I want to kind of zero in on just God's providence when it really comes to a true American hero. And this American hero is not a pilgrim. He's an Indian. And you know him as Squanto. And so one of the most meaningful elements of the Thanksgiving saga really centers on God's providential hand 
concerning Squanto. Now, here's the thing you need to know about him. He was born and raised amongst an Indian tribe known as, I'm just going to spell it because I know I'm going to butcher the, you know, the, the word. So it's uh, P-A-T-U-X-E-T-S. Pataets? I don't know, but that's, that's the tribe that he was born and raised in. And what's interesting about this tribe, I mean, you know, there was degrees of the fierceness of tribes uh, in the New England area. Some were more friendly than others. But this particular tribe where Squanto came from, it was one of the most fiercest tribes in the New England area. And you got to take note of this because this is going to play out when it comes to the pilgrims arriving in that area. And one of the things that was noted about this tribe, they were especially brutal towards any visitors they may encounter. And that's other Indian tribes. And obviously that would include the pilgrims. Uh, but you're going to see that that became a non-issue in God's providence. So here's young Squanto raised in this fierce tribe. And as Providence would have it, he's walking along the seashore, him with one of his Indian friends. And lo and behold, they are kidnapped. And they're kidnapped on a slave trade boat. And they're sailed away and they're sold into slavery. He was uh, taken to this notorious slave trading port known as Malaga. And this is located off the coast of Spain. Now, fortunately for Squanto, instead of being sold and shipped off to North Africa, he was rescued by some local friars. And it was here that Squanto became familiar with certain aspects of the Christian faith. Pretty interesting. Now, little did Squanto know at this stage of his life that God was preparing him for a more significant role that he would later play at Plymouth. And so he stays in Spain for a while with the friars. He's a free man. And eventually, Squanto attaches himself to an Englishman bound for London. And while he's in London, London, Squanto resides with this wealthy merchant. Well, during this time, as God would have it, he learns the English language. And once again, we see God's providence at work in Squanto's life. So he's there for a while, and all of a sudden now a longing comes into his heart. He wants to return to his homeland. And so Squanto embarks on a trip back home uh, to New England with a captain by the name of Dermer. And so they're sailing back home, and while approaching the main coast, another important piece to the Thanksgiving saga comes into being. Captain Dermer picks up another Indian called Samoset and dropped them both off at Plymouth. And this is the area where Squanto grew up, where he was kidnapped. And this is where his tribe was located. Well, Upon their arrival, which in God's providence was six months prior 
to the landing of our pilgrim forefathers and foremothers, Squanto was dismayed to find that his entire tribe was missing. He searched diligently, but all he found was skulls, bones, and his village lying in ruins. Now, obviously, Squanto had experienced a lot up until that point. You know, kidnapped at a young age, you know, bound to a foreign land, sold into slavery, rescued, lived in Spain, went to England, England, learned the language. But when he came back home and found how his tribe was just wiped out, it was a huge blow to his heart. And so what he did not know was after he was kidnapped, a plague swept through his tribe and wiped out every single member of his village. And so for a time, here's poor Squanto. Uh, he wanted to be home. He wanted to reconnect with his family, with his tribe. They're all gone. And so he's just wandering aimlessly. Uh, but eventually, he found refuge with uh, one of the more peaceful tribes in the area that was led by Chieftain Massasoit. And that also was uh, very rare. If you were from another Indian tribe and you came across another Indian tribe, most of the time they would kill you. But in Squanto's case, he was spared and he found refuge with this Indian tribe led by Massasoit. Well, now, you know, he's adjusting, you know, to living, you know, after the manner of this tribe. And lo and behold, one day, Samoset brought news to him concerning, hey, there's a group of these strange looking people and they're in our area. And apparently he communicated that they were in dire straits. And it was at this point, God's purpose for Squanto started to become apparent. Well, he ends up going to the meet the pilgrims and Samuel set uh, goes with him. And here, here's these poor pilgrims. And, you know, they were in the midst of surviving a brutal, brutal winter um, they had lost half their company it was incredibly hard upon these pilgrims you already had maybe six or seven that were still healthy to care for the sick and the dying and uh, they're having to bury their dead in the night and they really can't honor them they really can't go through some religious ceremony to say goodbye uh because they couldn't show that they were being weakened uh, in the way because they had to seal that condition from the Indians because they didn't want to think them that, that they were vulnerable. So this is a brutal, brutal winter. And if you remember from the last uh, podcast, we talked about one of our uh, traditions is to set aside a plate with five kernels of corn uh, because that was their diet during that brutal winter and uh, so when Squanto shows up on the scene these these people are in tatters 
They are in a seriously weakened condition. And so he, he walks up to them and he opens his mouth and he says, welcome. Well, of course, you're going to hit a, a pilgrims in the head with a two by four. This is an Indian, you know, coming up to them and speaking their language. Welcome. Well, obviously, that was a great relief and a delight to these pilgrims. And as they converse with Squanto, they find out his amazing testimony, how he was kidnapped and how he was sold into slavery and how he was freed and how he learned the English language and how he came back home. And here he is in their midst. And I got to tell you, brothers and sisters, at that point, Squanto understood his calling. He understood why he went through all that he went through. And his heart was instantly knit to these pilgrims. And it really became his life purpose to see this community survive. And not just survive, but overcome and thrive. And so for the pilgrims, Squanto became their Joseph. That that's how they viewed Squanto. They viewed him like, just like Joseph, who was sold into slavery and suffered many hardships and injustices. But he went through that to preserve life for Israel. So Squanto became America's Joseph to the pilgrims to preserve their lives. And that is exactly how they saw this. And so from the moment... Squanto entered the pilgrims' lives by saying, welcome. He went to work. He rolled up his sleeves. He taught them how to fish, plant corn, stalk deer, plant pumpkins, refine maple syrup from maple trees. He taught them to discern which herbs were good for food or medicine and which were the best berries for consumption. And besides all these manifold blessings, Squanto introduced him to the pelt of the beaver. Well, that was a game changer economically for the pilgrims. So God not only used Squanto to improve their, their health and their physical condition, he vastly improved their economic condition. And uh, again, I want to remind you that they were indentured servants. They came over here pretty much in slavery, and they had high debts to pay off. But with the help of Squanto, it took them 20 years, but they paid off every last debt thanks to Squanto's help. And so they, they with, with Squanto, obviously there was great improvements, but they, you know, there were still some hardships. Uh, Governor Carver was struck down and he died three days later. Uh, William Bradford was then unanimously chosen to replace him as governor. And then another situation came up where Captain Jones, who transported the pilgrims in the Mayflower, he decided he wanted to return to England. 
it, again, it was still, even though they were seeing its improvement, it was very, very hard. And, and so Captain Jones was begging them to come back with them because uh, he greatly feared for their future. And though they kind of contemplated the offer, not one of the pilgrims decided to go back. Their perseverance in the midst of sickness, deprivation, and death, it just forged a special bond in the love of Jesus Christ that the pilgrims were not willing to abandon. And so after all that, then it's the summer of 1621, and this proved to be a blessing for the pilgrims. Buildings were erected. Trade expeditions led by Squanto proved advantageous. And the fall harvest was beyond their expectations. So with such favor finally manifested, the pilgrims were overflowing with gratitude. Almighty God had carried them through dark and very difficult days. And they knew that he had raised up Squanto to help them not only to survive, but to actually thrive. And so, as a result, Governor Bradford called for a day of public thanksgiving. And understand this, brothers and sisters, America has many so-called holidays, holy days, but thanksgiving is a specific holy day that was established in the United States of America. And this is where it began. And so Governor Bradford calls for this day of public thanksgiving. Massasoit, the chief and the Indians were invited. He brought about 90 Indians with him. And though that was somewhat daunting, the pilgrims didn't despair. They prayed for God for provisions. But the Indians didn't come empty-handed Massasoit sent out braves to hunt before they came. And for three days, three days, not one day, three days, they feasted together. Elder William Brewster, he began the festivities with a heartfelt prayer of much thanks to God for their pilgrimage. And so for three days, the pilgrims and the Indians went at it. They enjoyed competitive races and wrestling matches and by the way, the Indians just <laughs> decimated the pilgrims when it came to anything of physical competition. But where the pilgrims kind of shined was with the gunpowder and the guns. And that definitely put the fear of God in the Indians. And so that was their, you know, their time together. And uh, brothers and sisters, this is, this is how we come to our, our national holy day known as thanksgiving and um, it's distinctive it truly truly is out of all the nations of the earth i don't know of any other nation that has set apart a day i mean there may be some i don't know but there's none that i know of that sets apart a day for the entire nation to come before god and to give him thanksgiving to show gratitude for him for his manifold blessings in our life and so I want to encourage you, perhaps before you eat uh, Thanksgiving on the fourth Thursday of this month of November, maybe it'd be a good idea to uh, maybe share some 
portions of this testimony of America's hero, America's Joseph, Squanto, that God raised up to come alongside as a paraclete to help our pilgrim forefathers and foremothers survive and to build uh, an incredible community and eventually went on to establish uh, the United States of America. So it might be good to impart some of this to your family. And then one of the things I really would encourage you is before or maybe even after you eat, sit around the room go from child to child or if you have grandchildren and ask them point blank, what are you thankful for? I, I got to tell you, we, we live in a very entitled, self-indulged uh, generation and uh, we've become a very unthankful people. We've lost the virtue of gratitude. And I got to tell you, that's uh, that's dangerous. That is dangerous, and we have to cultivate in our children sort of a heart of thanksgiving and, and a heart of gratitude. Uh, so critically important for the for the health of their souls. And so, as we approach uh, Thanksgiving, I just want to remind you again of the Pilgrims' example of facing adversity and overcoming by their unfeigned faith and love of Christ. And remember how there was sorrow in the night. And there was. There was deep sorrow. There was deep struggle. There was a lot of sick and dying people all around them. And again, I want you to remember why they went through this. Because they wanted to preserve their children in the faith. They went through incredible lengths, much sacrifice, to make sure their children did not defect from the faith. And so they could pass on this multi-kingdom generation to their children. And so there was this great sorrow in the night. But here's the thing, brothers and sisters. Joy did come forth in the morning, just as the Lord promised. And this is what led to this blessed day that Americans set apart as a day of thanksgiving to Almighty God for His manifold blessings through adversity. We need to remember these things, and we need to pass them faithfully unto our children and to their children and to a thousand generations that love God and are the called according to His purpose. Well, that's it for this episode. I pray that you enjoy it. And by the way, brothers and sisters, if you like these podcasts, uh, would you do me a favor and start spreading them and let people know? Introduce it to your family, your friends, your church members. Uh, we'd like to see this uh, sort of kingdom moments with Rusty Thomas family grow and spread. Because uh, our desire is to uh, disciple, to mentor, and to spread the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, through this venue. So you keep pressing on to that high calling prize in Jesus' name. Amen.